What an honor and privilege for me this morning to bring God's word to you on this very special day on Father's Day. It was in 1966 where the then president of the USA declared that the third Sunday in June should be set aside as Father's Day. It is on this day where we honor our fathers, we appreciate them, we tell them about their value, not only in their family, but also in society. To mothers who are playing a dual role of being single mothers, mothers, and also fathers, our hearts go out to you even this morning. Whatever we'll be saying this morning, it also includes you. We thank God that he can use you in a supernatural way, extraordinary way, to shape your children and to mold them. Billy Graham says, a good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets of society. Society needs good fathers. Society needs valuable fathers. How many of you agree with me that the world would be a different place to live in if our fathers here on earth mirrored the character of our heavenly father? I chose as my text this morning a well-known text in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 10. Then I'll skip to verse 12, the A part. It's a portion of scripture where one of the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'll read the 12th verse in the Good News Translation. Forgive us the wrongs we have done. Other versions say, forgive us our trespasses. And it is from this text that I want to have my theme for this day, wanted kingdom fathers. Throughout the Bible, God uses an image of a family in order for us to know him, understand him, and his kingdom. He is called our father. We are called his children. We are brothers and sisters. The church is called the house of God. And Jesus is the son of God. And throughout Jesus' earthly ministry, he used the kingdom of God as his central theme. In Luke chapter 1, 8 verse 1, he traveled about from town to town, village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. So the concept of the kingdom of God is central throughout the Bible. E. Stanley Jones defines the kingdom of God like this. The kingdom of God is God's total order, expressed as realm and reign in the individual and in society and which is to replace the present unworkable world order with God's order in the individual and in society. In other words, we have on earth an unworkable order. We have a system that is not working. We have a system that is chaotic. We need God's total order to come down so that he can reign and replace the unworkable order with his own order. That is why Jesus said, your kingdom come. 
The Bible is about a kingdom and a king. There will never be a king without a kingdom to preside over. There will never be a kingdom with no king to rule over it. The first kingdom to be established was the kingdom of heaven. When God established the kingdom of heaven, he had a desire that from the kingdom of heaven, he will mirror down on earth what is happening in heaven. In other words, it was God's desire that with the kingdom of heaven, people here on earth will look at the earthly fathers and know the heart of the Father in heaven. When he created the heaven and created the earth, he was bringing down the kingdom of heaven down on earth. So our earthly fathers have a divine call. They have a divine mandate and a divine responsibility to mirror that which is happening in heaven with what they are doing on earth, in their behavior, in what they are saying, in what they are doing. It's God's desire that his kingdom will come from heaven and down to earth. Thy kingdom come is a divine process. So the gist of my message this morning is that we need kingdom fathers who will mirror that which is happening in heaven. So that even if a person doesn't know who is a heavenly father, they will just look at them and understand and know the heart of God, a need for kingdom fathers. With the time that I have at my disposal, I'm just going to cite three qualities that will make our fathers here on earth to qualify to be called kingdom fathers. The first one is, Kingdom fathers devote their families to God. When the children of Israel were in Egypt and one plague after the other came and Pharaoh didn't want to release the children of Israel, the Bible says, finally he said, okay, you men can go. You can go and serve God. I release you. But here is a man with a kingdom mentality. Moses stood up and said, we refuse we cannot go out to serve God alone. Let me read Exodus chapter 10 verse 9 in the Good News Translation. Moses answered, we will all go, including our children and our old people. We will take our sons and daughters, our sheep and goats, our cattle, because we must hold a festival to honor the Lord. We have a celebration to make. That's what Moses said. And it's not about fathers only. It's not about men. It's a family matter. That's the father with a kingdom mentality. We are leaving Egypt. Pharaoh, there's no way we can leave our families behind. But you see, when they came to the promised land, a lot of fathers, a lot of men forgot what God had done for them. When they came to the promised land, they forgot that it's a God there's a God who took them from Egypt, a God who gave them manna in the wilderness, a God who gave them water when they needed water. Water just gushed from the rock. When the water was bitter, God made it sweet. And when everybody had forgotten, a man, a kingdom man, Joshua, stands up out, out of all the people and calls them and says, I'm giving you a choice. I don't care about you. You can decide today. You can choose for yourself whom you want to serve. But there's a God that I'm going to choose 
before you. In 24 verse of Joshua chapter 24 verse 15, he says, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm glad that he began with himself, that I will serve the Lord. And I'm not only going to serve the Lord, but my family will also serve the Lord. In other words, he stood up as a man, a kingdom man who is devoting his family to the Lord. A study was made by Promise Keepers. Promise Keepers is an organization that is discipling men to follow Christ. And the study yielded these results. If the mother is the first to become a Christian in a household, then there is a 17% probability everyone else will follow. However, when the father is the first to become a Christian, there is 93% probability everyone else in the household will follow. So a father has to stand up and say, I devote my family to the Lord. A father has to be the first one to say, my family will serve the Lord. Kingdom fathers devote their families to the Lord, even if you stand alone. Secondly, kingdom fathers model godly values to their children. If you want to be a kingdom father, just model the values of God to your children. It was in Sodom and Gomorrah where the wickedness was so rife, the city of sin, where God looked, everybody was doing as they wished, fathers were living as they wished. And God says in chapter 18, Genesis, verse 19, I have chosen him, he's talking about Abraham, so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. I like it in the New Living Translation. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Abraham was a man of faith. He was a man of obedience. No wonder that later, when God told him to sacrifice his son, as they were walking to Moriah, the son asked him, Isaac said, Father, I see the fire, I see the wood, but where is the lamb for the sacrifice? And when the father said, God will provide, Isaac learned this from the father. He didn't have to teach him. He didn't have to say it, but he passed it on. When they came to the place where they were sacrificing to God, when they wanted to make a sacrifice to God, there's nowhere in this chapter where the Bible tells us that Isaac resisted. I'm reading 22 Genesis verses 9 to 10. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. There was no resistance. Isaac never said, I cannot do this. Because he had learned... Abraham had passed on this godly virtue of obedience to God. You see, fathers, when you model the Christian way to your children, they will catch it. It's not taught. It's caught. Clarence Buddington Kelland says, my father didn't tell me how to live. He lived and let me watch him do it. Fathers, just do it. Just live before your children. Just do it. 
they will catch it. You will be passing on godly virtues to them. If your son says, Daddy, I'm getting married. How am I going to take care of my family? Just say to them, son, look at me. Watch me. Let me be your blueprint. You want to build your own home? Let me be your building plan. May you walk before your children so that you can model godly principles. Kingdom fathers model godly principles. And the third quality, which is the last one, kingdom fathers are priests in their homes. In the Bible, the role of priests is to mediate God's grace, love, and forgiveness. They listen, support, heal, and pray for others. They teach the ways of God and they bring back those who have gone astray. This is the mandate of godly fathers to be priests in their homes. Fathers are mandated to apply these principles. When you sit around the table with your children, it's not only time to eat, but it's a moment where you should teach the word. There should be times to sit and eat and times to teach the word. Talin Shakt says, if we don't teach our children who God is, someone else will teach them everything that he isn't. So it's the duty of the fathers, the Bible mandates, especially the fathers, to teach their children. Not only to teach, teach them the word, but to model a priestly role of mediating God's love and grace to our children. Verse 12 that we have read says, forgive us the wrongs we have done. In the parable of the prodigal son, we know the story. The Bible says he left his home and wasted everything that the father had given him. Now, when he was still feasting and feeding with pigs, he memorized when he came to his senses, he memorized what he was going to do when he came to his father. But when he came to his father, the father didn't even allow him to finish the speech when he said, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, the father stopped him there. The heart of a father who is a priest. Verses 22, verse 22 of Luke 15 says, But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. When the father asked for a robe to be put on him, and this is a priestly role, that when our children are wayward, when are, our children have sinned, we put a robe on him. The best robe that the father was putting on him, he was covering the bad smell of pigs, he was covering the unworthiness, he was covering the embarrassment, he was covering the shame, he was covering the fact that he's not worthy. He was restoring him. He was restoring the dignity. He was restoring the sonship. He was restoring the fact that he's still valuable. So fathers, you have a priestly role that you have to bring to your children. Some of our children get children out of wedlock. Some are given to drugs. When they say, Father, forgive me the wrongs I've done. It's not for you to expose them, but cover them with love. Cover them with grace because you have a priestly role to play. 
And these are the words that were said by the church of Jesus Christ. Isn't it that when we were sinners, God clothed us with a garment of righteousness? I'll only read the first part of Isaiah 61 verse 10. These are the words of the church through the prophet Isaiah, prophesying on the church that is to come. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. This is what God has done to us. Filthy as we were, he took away our tattered garments of sin and clothed us with a robe of righteousness. We can, as fathers, mediate God's love. And in conclusion, Randy Alcan says, we are citizens of a different kingdom, ambassadors representing Christ in a foreign land. We have a kingdom to represent, fathers. We have a kingdom to uphold we are citizens of this world, but we do not belong here. Regardless of what citizens are doing in this land, we can uphold the kingdom of God. Step out as a kingdom father. Mediate God's love. Step out as a kingdom father. Mediate the grace of God. As you step out to mediate and to, to, to bring forth the kingdom of God, it may not be easy because your culture may not support you. Other fathers may not applaud you because you may do things that are not according to the norm. But step out anyway. You have a kingdom to represent. You have a kingdom to uphold. Choose to be a kingdom father. Choose to be a father that represents God here on earth. And God bless you. Happy Father's Day to you all. God bless you.